This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, the founder of Innovative CX Solutions, a past chairperson of the CXPA, and a practitioner with many years of transforming global operations and designing better customer experiences. Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello and welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, and we're really happy to have you back listening to another one of our podcasts. Today is going to be all about CX with one of the profession's premier professionals. Diane Majors is joining me today to talk about a whole bunch of different stuff, as we like to call it. And so we're happy to have her here today. Diane, welcome to the All Things Considered CX podcast. And please, if you would, introduce yourself to our listeners. Oh, thanks, Bob. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Um, really looking forward to the, the topic we have today. Um, for all of you out there, uh, Diane Majors is Bob Set. I've been around this space a long time. I totally fell into it by accident. Um, uh, and I had a CEO who was just uh, passionate about customers way back when. And that became part of his mantra of we're going to do things customers need us to do. And that's how we're going to grow the business. And so I uh, have kept that mantra and his approach all through my career. I have worked uh, at Cisco Foods and their customer engagement practice, Office of the Customer at at and in the business space and have worked in uh, and with many organizations. So I um, have seen, been blessed to see a lot of practitioners, a lot of practices, and I'm hoping to bring some of that to you today. Uh, I was um, CEO for the Customer Experience Professionals Association um, on an interim basis for three years, a founding member, and um, I am now, uh, have my own boutique consulting firm, and I partner and coach people who are trying to get this incredible profession integrated into their organization. So pleasure to meet all of you and to be here today, Bob. Oh, that's great, Diane. And, and we'll talk a little later about your career path and how you got to where you are today. It's always interesting to our listeners. Mm-hmm. So we're going to cover three or four topics, Diane. And the first one that comes to my mind is something you talked to me about a few years ago in, in something called design thinking. And uh, I've heard you speak on it. I, I've seen you conduct uh, classes on it. I, I'm just fascinated by design thinking, yet it seems to be still kind of a maybe an unknown or um, I'm not sure of what that is approach in customer experience. So maybe that's a good way for us to kick off today and talk about your view of design thinking, what it is, how do we apply it, how can it be utilized uh, as CX professionals? Absolutely. Well, I, I'm hoping it's a little bit of this Mythbusters approach because I think if we can demystify it a little bit, that that people will adopt and and leverage um, that. So a couple of things, just if you think about design thinking, is a an approach and a set of techniques, and it's no different from other tools in our toolbox, if you will, of things that we can 
use to really, um, in, in all basics, in all basic um, um, definitions, uh, to understand humans. Um, that's really what design thinking is about. And I put it under the guise of the, the actual practice and approach of what we do is really human-centered. Um, and if you take that being human-centered, um, design thinking simply begins how you create uh, from that human need. Uh, that's really, if I boil it down, what it is. The techniques that people use, whether it's service design or empathy mapping, journey mapping is a, is a design technique. There's simply tools and methodologies to uncover, discover, and then as you begin to really understand that human need to design what that experience is going to be like. Intentionally thinking about all the interactions um, what the customer is going to see, how they're what they're going to smell, what they're going to do, how that needs to interact in the organization. So when I think about these design um, thinking techniques, there really can be leveraged um, and it's a skill set you can learn, competencies. If I can learn it, anybody can. Um, because I came, I came to it by accident as well. <laughs> um, I, I think sometimes people think about designers um, have a specific skill set, a deep, deep knowledge in their craft of how they would, for example, design a website, so a UX designer, or service design, which is designing the way a store operates and how it looks and feels. Um, there are definitely different crafts and how what they specialize in. But in all instances, everybody is taking what um, the human needs and designing something around that. So that's when I say, um, the Mythbusters, that's what I mean. It's not this sprinkle the magic fairy dust on something. It's a series of tools and techniques that are applied. So that's a great way to, to describe it. Is, it. is it difficult to execute? The ex no, <laughs> no, I would say not. I, I wouldn't say it's difficult. I think the ability for people to use design thinking, the way that I describe it is, it allows you to sit with the problem longer. And because what I find a lot of times is when we, we find opportunities in the experiences, we just go fix it. And design kind of fits between finding the opportunity and the solution, but it's really uh, about spending more time with the problem because the problem can be made up a lot of things. And so it's an exploration and a digging deeper into that problem opportunity or even if you're trying to innovate, of what are we trying to fulfill in the need for the human? How can that come to life in our organization and then go build? Because I think that that gap of where design fits is between opportunity and build. Um, we don't spend enough time really thinking and being intentional and purposeful about it. And so this profession, this craft, is all about how you do that in that space. Excellent. And Diane, there's a lot of talk these days about employee experience. Could design thinking be applied to how we create better employee experiences? Yeah, so I want you to think about employee experiences. If you take every single thing that we do for customers and you turn that lens on employees, it's no different. Um, they're customers of the brand as well. Um, how we hire them, their first day on the job and onboarding, um, how they do their work, the tools that they use, the issues they run into, um, how they're treated, um, what the interactions are with people, their leader, for example, or other employees. Those are all experiences they're having. So why would it be any different? So the first thing that I, I learned is I had a set of um, 
UX designers that reported to me in one of my positions. And my, I didn't understand what they really did. And so we took a journey map, we took the approach of journey mapping, a tool technique, and we, I had them walk me through um, a week in the life of what they do and where they had opportunity and what they wanted to do differently. Uh, and so we looked for, just like in journey mapping we do today, we looked for where they wanted to be more engaged with doing research or they'd like to learn more about how to build a business case around the design they were doing. So they, by understanding those needs and wants, back to design thinking, we were able to um, embellish that team and give them different skill sets and make their their work easier. So they were more engaged, um, giving great ideas, um, staying longer. We had longer retention of that team and had been turning over quite often because people were just not feeling like all I do is get requirements and go build stuff. Um, they really wanted, they wanted to be a part of that craft and, and wanted to create more um, than just taking requirements and building stuff. So that was, that's an example of how it's no different for us to apply our craft to that particular type of human as <laughs> an employee rather than a customer. I mean, we used to say happy employees equal happy customers, right? But that almost seems too minimalistic. That's much more to an employee experience like you just described. <laughs> I call that beyond the bagels, Bob. That's my, <laughs> that's my, that's my thing. When people talk about, I talked to a lot of HR folks about this and um, because it's, it's, it's a craft as well. Um, they, and they say, well, we got all these perks and we put this open environment and I say, no, all those things are great, but what do they truly want out of life? And what do they want to do in this space? We call this work life. They want to feel valued. They want to contribute. They, the, those needs and wants are what you need to be satisfying. Uh, bagels are great. Nothing wrong with it. New time off, flexible work hours, all great stuff. But the real human need is to be valued and be appreciated. So how do we do that? And I wish I would have known you a few years ago, Diane, because I used to do bagels with Bob and I would have been so much more than that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you were. I'm sure you were. <laughs> Uh, so we uh, one one other question for you in design thinking before we move on to some other topics. But you know we hear about uh, products and services, and then we hear about B two B and B two C and B two B two C. And can, can this be applied across that? Is there is there you know are there knockout factors because well I'm B two B and I can't possibly use design thinking. <laughs> uh, they're still humans, aren't they? Right. So, so, right. Right. Um, so I would say it's probably a little bit different flavor. So if I think about a B2B relationship, um, what I love about B2B is that it is a relationship. Um, it's just a different way to think about those human needs and, and the tools that you use. Um, for example, um, with B2B environments and relationships, it's more about risk sometimes. So the person that you're dealing with is taking risks in their career by signing an agreement with you or you know, um, is this product going to work for my organization or am I putting my career at risk or compliance or some of the things that B2B customers um, deal with. So you might do just a different flavor of the design thinking to, to dig deeper or, or really look at the problem in a different way. But no, in all instances, you're still designing products or services um, for a human being and what they need to be able to do to function in their job um, and with your, the relationship in your organization. So no. 
I, I may steal that human being whole concept there, uh, mm -hmm. Diane, because I, I just think too often we get caught up um, in this whole notion of, well, I'm B to B or I'm B to C and it doesn't apply. I love the, I love the human being uh, that, you know, we're all still customers too, right? Whether we're in an organization yeah. leading a department, we're still a consumer, we're still a customer. And do we think like that? Yeah. Yeah, customer of the brand, being employees being a customer of the brand. And that right. that's the same thing with your suppliers and, and vendors, your partners. So right. There's no difference. I use the ice cream analogy, right? Everybody has an experience and they're just different flavors. Ah, very good. I hope our listeners are paying attention here to these tidbits that our guest Diane Majors is sharing with us today because you're getting a lot for your money today <laughs> this <laughs> podcast. Thanks. So let's, let's step back a little bit. And, and uh, because um, you've been in the profession for many years, um, what's your view of the customer experience environment right now? And then maybe we'll, we'll also talk about the, the profession itself. But from your perspective and your viewpoint, what are you seeing uh, organizations' uh, view of customer experience right now? Ah, I think my 20 year old would say they're, they're woke. Um, <laughs> and I use that affectionately because I think it was as experienced professionals, we've been running to the top of the mountain, hoping people would follow us to say, we need to be thinking more holistically. We need to be more agile. We need to be more innovative. We need to pay attention to all the things a customer does with us, not just sale, not just getting them to sign the contract or buying the product. Um, so all the things we've been saying, I think in the last year and especially the last two months actually i've been seeing this oh my gosh we haven't been thinking about this the right way um all all the things that we've been doing we that we didn't think we could do we have over the last year we've adjusted we've listened to their needs we've we've made changes quicker than we we ever did before what used to take us three years is now taking us you know three weeks and that i think has has opened up um uh, finally saying it's kind of it's our time uh, organizations are finding that they, even if they're in IT or in marketing or in operations, they're beginning to understand the importance of customer and they're even hiring within their departments for more experience led positions. So an example of that is I just talked to a, a medical device company who is hiring a journey manager uh, within their product to team. And what they, what they really meant and wanted was they knew their product had tentacles to marketing and to care and to um, all different type parts of the organization. And they wanted the product to be a part of that journey. And so they needed somebody to specifically care for that, care for their product within the ecosystem of their organization. So what we're seeing is rather than it being on a CX team, we're, you may look for a position that is doing the role that we've been doing, but within a department to influence that department and help bring the right data in and make sure you're designing it appropriately to our first part of the conversation. Make sure you're measuring it appropriately, but making sure that fits in with the rest of what the organization's doing. So making the puzzle piece um, more aware and more centric so that it can fit within this bigger organizational piece. Which is, a, which is a great thing for us. It's more adoption, but it's a little reverse engineering adoption, which is fine. We'll take what we can get, right? <laughs> right, right. But it's exciting from a standpoint that 
that means it's becoming integrated into the functions, right? Rather yeah. than a separate function. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were, we were kind of going down the path of creating our own silo in, in customer experience. And I began to last no, year and a half ago or so, I began to just call it experience management, which has mm. you know, been around, but we've not really adopted adopted it because it is everybody's experience, whether it's the product or service. Yes, eventually it touches a customer, but even internally for the employee, um, how we really think about where experience happens um, is where we can start to point our profession and our, our skill set. Wow, that, that, that is really, um, that, that could really bode well for the future. And, and I love it because let's spend less time figuring out where CX is reporting to and more about how do we integrate it within the functions across an organization. Yeah, I still think, I still think uh, there needs to be somebody who has the mortar between the bricks, I always call it. That's another t-shirt. Right. Your listeners right. are probably going, she's Why? got a lot of these <laughs> phrases, these t-shirts. Um, the mortar between the bricks, because even if you do it well, like if the product team you know, has their tentacles out, somebody, um, like today we're seeing a lot about customer data platforms, like where's our data sit? All that customer information we have, where does it sit so everybody can access it? Um, that's taking, that has to take some, that's their day job. <laughs> so I think our day job hasn't changed, but certainly how we are educating the teams within an organization, how we're making it uh, relative to what they do. I think that's the one thing that design thinking can, can also do back to our first point. Um, I, the, we got our first hand uh, handhold into the product team in one organization because we took a very hungry product team who was charged with innovating something, early adopters, and we taught them design thinking and they took off and their products were getting adopted quicker. They had better success. They were able to tell the business case better. And so the rest of the product teams were like, hey, wait a second, we want some of that. And so we created this draw. Um, so I think embedding yourself and working with those organizations who are now hungry uh, for the skills, the tools, and our approach um, really bodes well for our profession. That's excellent. And so what a great lead in. Where do you think we are as a profession, as CX professionals, um, many adversely impacted from the pandemic? Um, where do you think the profession sits in and CX professionals themselves in navigating this, this challenging time we're in? I think to our point about where it's happening, that we have the, the ability to demonstrate um, what our skill set and talent and what we've been saying all along, how that comes to life. Um, I see those, those, those jobs being posted within the, organiz in the organizations, within the business units themselves. But I also think that we need to take a step forward not a step back, but a step forward in really driving how we allow this to occur within the organization and get adopted. I always have joked that a good CX professional works themselves out of a job because they're enabling the organization and teaching it to others. And I think that's a little bit of where our profession is more needed now. We have, the door has been opened for us to go talk to more people in the organization to bring our skill sets in. And so I, I believe that it's, it's actually going to multiply um, in, in, uh, around the customer. Uh, I also think that by adding this bigger ecosystem of employees and 
any other experience you're having that we're also seeing an in increase from there where HR teams are coming and saying, how do I adopt it? And product teams, um, uh, scale-ups and startups are looking for this. So I see there's going to be a lot more opportunity um, in the future for this skill set. That's, that's bodes well for professionals either in it or uh, considering it. And one of the things you said at the beginning was you kind of got into this by accident. And I know listeners love to hear the career path because I don't think anybody wakes up when they're in college one morning and, or I guess you wake up in college in the afternoon in the afternoon <laughs> and say, say um, I want to be a CX professional when I graduate. So tell our listeners a little bit about the path that got you to where you're at today as, uh, as a CX professional. Gosh, yeah, all serendipity, completely serendipity. Um, and I do think, Bob, today that some people will do wake up and say, I wanna, I wanna do that because we didn't really have a profession before. I remember mm -hmm. a conversation with Jeff Mango and Lorraine Schumacher who, when I was at Cisco, they were at Verizon. And we, there was very few of us out there who were kind of doing the job, but didn't really know what it was, making it up as we went. And um, now it's truly a profession. There's certification, there's you know, all this information and all this, this wealth of knowledge and um, MBA programs that you can go and, and specialize in this. But what I, what I think from a career path back in the old days, as I would say it, you know, 10 years ago, when this is getting started, um, going through it in a, in a serendipity way of falling into the right place at the right time or the right CEO, as I talked about, or even the right opportunity, even going into consulting. When I left Cisco, I was presenting at a conference and I got off the stage and somebody came up to me from um, a, a large cloud-based company and said, hey, we're getting ready to start this customer experience thing. Can we talk to you? And I said, yep, I, by the way, I'm gonna have a lot of time because I'm leaving um, Cisco. And they said, oh, can we hire as a consultant? And I said, Had, hadn't even thought about it. Hadn't even thought about it. I was, I was, I was gonna float in my pool for six months and you know, figure <laughs> it out. And, and so I just fell into that by accident. But you know what? That became for me a way to begin to understand what I was challenged with, everybody else was as well. And it also confirmed for me to your point about, you know, what, what other people are learning about this profession is that once you've done customer experience, it's hard to go back to anything else because it is the ability to see the whole organization, connect the dots. And so for people who are very strategic thinkers or have that detail or see the future, um, this profession just, drags you in and it just and it, it just creates joy for you. Um, and so that's what I found was really helpful. This, this whole human aspect of, of business that was missing. We were very rote and transactional. Now it's very human centric um, and the ability to look at the bigger picture and, and bring people together. Um, that's kind of a, a trait, I guess, of most of the people in this profession. Um, so I think that's what we'll find is as you come along in your career and you're thinking about that, one of the things I would recommend is get yourself exposed to all different types and uh, sorry, types, all different parts of the organization. Learn as much as you can about data and infrastructure and the UX team and product development and product management, because that makes you a more valuable practitioner because you're able to have the detail and talk their language and, and pull those pieces together and be that connector that you need to be and be smart about it. 
<laughs> not just connecting for connecting's sake. Right, and, and there is quite a strong CX community out there, isn't there, for professionals? It's like this, I don't know, I won't call it a cult. It, it's almost a, I found my tribe. Um, <laughs> whenever anybody kind of, they call me and they you know, wanna, wanna, wanna learn or they wanna hear you know, perspective, um, and I tell them about the community and how open it is and how sharing, because that's the type of personality we attract, uh, they're, they're delighted that they found somewhere that they can be themselves. They're with people of like mind. And what's great about this profession too is that people just overshare. They share their tools, they share their experiences because we're all fairly new at it. Even those of our serial CXers, I call those of us who have done it in multiple organizations. Um, even, even I learn things every day. So it's, it's a great opportunity for all of us to connect and be, uh, create that community, um, knowing how much we're helping organizations prepare for the future. I remember at one of my first uh, CX quote unquote events, uh, there couldn't have been more than 50 or 60 people there. And we were standing around at a happy hour or some kind of break, lunch break or something. And, and I looked at two people standing across from me and, and looked at their badges and they were absolutely the fiercest competitors uh, in their markets that I could ever imagine. I mean, the top two in their industry, fiercest competitors. And I looked at the two of them and I said, you two are, are don't like one another in the marketplace. <laughs> and yet here we are standing in a CX event. And to your point, um, you know, they, they didn't share all their secrets, but um, they were, they could stand in the same room together and talk about their passion around the customer. And that, that made a lot, obviously it made a lasting impression on me mm -hmm. to say, this is a great community that that's willing to share. Yeah, because we're, as a new profession, I think that's the other piece of it. Um, as a new profession, it, it requires all of us to contribute and, you know, learn. There were people who mentored me. Um, I remember a conversation with a woman from Coca-Cola um, to go unnamed and um, she literally took me under her wing because they had been doing some things at, at Coca-Cola in this space. And I'll never forget that first conversation where she said, you know, call me anytime. Um, and she met it. It was kind of like, uh, kind of like here in Texas, if somebody invites you over for dinner, you, you, you better believe you're going to get, you know, dragged over their, their, their house. They mean it. Um, and she did. Um, and she, she reached out and called me. So that part of that is this community of like-minded. It's, it's a tough job. Nobody, nobody said it was going to be easy. If you think about what we do for a living, people, if you really tell them what you do, they go, you're kidding. Like that's, that's a lot. Um, it is. So it's hard. It's hard work. Um, it's a lot of influencing. It's a lot of change. It's a lot of emotional energy. And so you really have to be passionate about it. And so being with a community that can feed your passion, that can help you with the skill sets like design thinking, find somebody who knows how to do it, um, Get, get next to them, get close to them, attend their webinars, conferences, uh, go find training in the, in the area, um, go watch it in, you know, ask other practitioners if you can kind of listen in on sessions, whatever you need to do to begin to build that part of your skill set. Um, this this organization, this, or not organization, this profession um, really has open arms um, and wants to give and learn uh, probably more than any profession I've, I've seen or been in. So true. 
Uh, Diane, what a wonderful session. Uh, always appreciate you sharing your thoughts and perspectives. Um, if, if our listeners want to get in touch with you or continue to learn from you, how might they do that? Oh, LinkedIn's always the easiest place. Uh, it just be sure you spell my last name is, is spelled M-A-G-E-R-S. My, my husband has a spelling problem, but um, so uh, Diane Majors and find me on LinkedIn um, or you can go to CXPA, go to the directory um, if you're so inclined. Um, and I'd love to, to share if anybody's got more questions about design thinking or, hey, what should I do? What should I do next? And how do I figure out my career? I'm more than happy to have conversations with anybody. Back to our last point. Excellent. Thank you, Diane. And thank you to our listeners for participating and listening into this podcast from All Things Considered CX. Please stay tuned for future podcasts. And if you've enjoyed this one, please share it with your network. And until we listen together again, this is Bob Elton, your host. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show, follow me on LinkedIn, and visit my website at InnovativeCX.com for more insights on creating better experiences. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show, and visit CXofM.org for more resources.